We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Unemployment relief should be ended when the depression ends. I traveled back through history to 1536 when the first poor laws of England were mandated. In those days, the dole, or welfare as we call it, was funded by voluntary contributions. But as time passed, the English devised the allowance system, the first unemployment relief. Only now it was paid with involuntary contributions more commonly known as taxes. The allowance system was a disaster. The only real unemployment relief is to give a man a job. But to do that, you have to give the economy life, not tax it to death. Hi everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. Yeah, we're uh, we're opening up with uh, our little our little uh, song, "A Small Town," and our little uh, clip from a movie called "The Great Debaters," because I'm thinking uh, we're going to talk about a little small town in Texas at the beginning, and we're going to talk about taxes. And some of you guys, based on uh, Facebook posts I've seen, don't really understand how this economy works, and you think, uh, "Hey, you know, you're giving uh, you're giving benefits to the rich. That's not fair." Guess what? That's the only place that's going to stimulate the economy. That's the only place. We'll talk about that more, but uh, we'll get into this uh, stuff that happened this week. But first, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located here in Southern California, offices all over the place. If you're uh, interested in getting happily involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll-free, 855 855- 640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to hear something, but you don't want to talk on the phone, because uh, you're calling me from work and you're stealing time from your boss, wait till your government-mandated 15-minute coffee break or your minimum half-hour minimum half hour lunch break, or else uh, your employer gets, uh, gets time and a half penalty that he has to pay you and uh then go to wccloans.com click on the loan center click on apply now give me as much information as you want tell me how much information you want back and uh, you'll hear back from either myself or one of my teammates and we will help you uh, find that missing pieces to the real estate financing puzzle whether you want to buy a new house buy a buy a vacation home a house to live in an investment property commercial property or if you want to refinance one you have or if you uh, are interested in getting information on that exciting financing tool for uh, those of you that are 62 and older uh, called a reverse mortgage. What is that thing, reverse mortgage? I don't really understand. I'm just not comfortable with it. Uh, it sounds sounds weird to me. Uh, you want to get some straight information, call me, 855-640-2020 or uh, wccloans.com. Hit Loan Center. Apply now. Uh, if you hear something you want repeated, you can go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the podcast page, and uh, you can hear this show as well as... Uh, 
few past shows, and uh, you can uh, listen on demand. You can also get the podcast on uh, on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can subscribe for free, and you can have it download to your uh, to your phone or your iPod or your iPad or your computer, whatever kind of devices you're listening to podcasts on these days. Listen in your car, listen anywhere you want. And uh, that's free. Um, be sure to connect with the show on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. Um, nowadays, I'm doing probably more on Facebook than on uh, on Twitter, only because I'm long winded and oh, but I guess they're changing from 140 characters to 280, so maybe I'll be doing more on on Twitter. Uh, did they start that already? Not for everybody. Oh, if only if you're a Democrat. Okay, sorry. I'll be stuck at 140 characters, I guess. Um, but like the show on Facebook, go on facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. If you want to leave me some comments on the show, and some of you guys are leaving comments, uh, 855-640-2092. That's a recorded line. That's a listener hotline. You can go on there and tell me, uh, Hey, you know, are you crazy or something? Or, uh, Hey, good job. Or whatever you want to say. So, uh, so, uh, in the, in the studio with me today, like, uh, every few weeks, uh, my buddy Scott McAfee, uh, owner of uh, Don's Bikes in Rialto and Redlands, uh, top 100 bike shops in the country. And uh, Scotty, welcome back. More fun than Disneyland, Ed. You know, it's because uh, we have to get our we have to get our fix of of uh, telling people how it is. So uh, so let's talk about what happened this week. As I said, uh, small town. There's a little small town in uh, in uh, Texas, southern Texas, called Sutherland Springs. Uh, population 400. I looked it up. For those of you that don't know where, where Red Mountain, California and Johannesburg, California and Randsburg, California. If you, if you, if you're skiers, you drive up the 395 before you get to Ridgecrest. Um, there's these three little towns. They look like ghost towns, but between the three of those towns and they're right next to each other between the three towns, there's, uh, they, they have a, some junkyards and a silver dollar pancake house. It looks like it hasn't been open since about 1500 and there's a little gas station and there's a little liquor store. And I'm sure there's some other stuff in Randsburg, but that you have to go over the, around the corner to see. Um, but total between those three cities is 400, uh, 400, 410, somewhere in there, according to the last census. So, uh, Sutherland Springs, Texas is a little, uh, postage stamp, Carl Rove said, uh, if you drive from San Antonio to Stockdale, you drive through it, you never stop. There's a gas station and a church, and that's it. But I assume there's people that, there's houses that are off the beaten path where people live. So it's it's a small town, because they were born in a small town. So anyway, uh, so this week, 26 people were killed in church service in Sutherland Springs. The victims range in ages from 18 to 77, with as many as 14 children among the dead. The gunman was 26-year-old pillar of strength in the community, Devin Patrick Kelly, who dressed in tactical gear and armed with a Ruger AR-15 assault-type rifle. Here's what we know about this guy's background. Uh, Kelly's uh, had a record of domestic violence, and his record alone should have barred him under Texas law from purchasing a gun. Uh, starting with the assault and battery on his wife and stepson, one-year-old stepson, when he was in the Air Force in New Mexico. He faced a court-martial He faced a court martial on charges of assault and battery and four forearms charges because he pointed, the gun, pointed guns at his wife and at his one-year-old stepson. While he was awaiting his court-martial, he escaped from the mental health facility where he was being held. 
This guy's a this guy's a pillar of strength. What an American! The firearms charges were dropped because Kelly pleaded guilty to aggravated assault, fracturing the child's skull and hitting and kicking and choking his wife. So uh, something's wrong with our our justice system because you got a guy who's who should be in jail for life or uh, or killed for that, as far as I'm concerned, uh, fracturing the skull of a one year old and uh, kicking and hitting and choking his wife. Um, but they uh, they pled him down to uh, aggravated assault, meaning he wasn't uh, he wasn't given a stiff enough sentence. Apparently, twenty six twenty six other people got a sentence as a result. After serving twelve months in confinement, Kelly received a bad conduct discharge from the Air Force in two thousand fourteen, as opposed to a uh, dishonorable discharge. It was a bad conduct discharge because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. That's the that's that was the uh, the Barack insane Obama. Uh, military. Later that year, he moved to Colorado Springs and was charged with animal cruelty against the neighbor's dog. This guy is a real piece of work. Yeah, you know, and this is one of those cases where obviously he had done enough to where he should have been prevented from purchasing a firearm. The fact that he was able to buy them legally anyways, anyways tells us there's not obviously a problem with the laws. There seems to be a problem with enforcement, right? Um, Yeah, there's a problem with enforcement. There's a problem with, there's a the, yeah, I would. That's probably it. I don't. I don't know. The, the system obviously doesn't work. I was told by. Uh, I was told by a friend of mine who's involved with the uh, National Rifle Association that really isn't a list, but apparently there's some list. I mean, when when you go to buy a gun, they they run a ten day background search on you. You got a ten day waiting period. What are they doing during that ten day waiting period? When I buy a ha- gun in Arizona, I have a I have a house in Arizona, so I have an ID in Arizona. They they swipe the little card on my my ID card, and it takes about. Uh, two minutes, and then it then it uh it says okay you're clear you can take your gun when you when you leave. As well, I have a concealed carry in Arizona, which means I don't they don't have to do that now because they've already done that. Well, and obviously there were multiple things that, again that should have prevented this from happening that should have put this guy on whatever list you know you're supposed to be on some list of people that aren't supposed to legally buy firearms that that didn't happen. So that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, so we it's, we don't need more laws. We need to enforce the laws that we have. Exactly. So uh, how is this guy able to get a gun? It starts with the Air Force's failure to notify civilian law enforcement, the police department, of Kelly's criminal record. He had, been given, had he been given a dishonorable discharge instead of a bad, bad conduct discharge, or if the Air Force had had to disclose to the civilian law enforcement his, his court-martial conviction for domestic assault, that would have put his name on a federal database, supposedly, that licensed gun dealers are required to check before selling someone a firearm. Um... Had his information been in the database, it should have prevented gun sales gun sales to Kelly, the Air Force said in a statement, which means there's probably a whole bunch of lawsuits against the United States Air Force already uh, in the in the works. Yeah, I'm sure there is. And again, this so it was obviously we're saying it's the Air Force's fault for not disclosing this information. Air Force, i.e. the government, seemed to be incompetent on reporting this stuff, which obviously was was critical. And who knows, could have saved lives. You never know. With somebody that's this twisted and this evil, the guy might have come up with some alternative way of getting a firearm or, or committing these kind of crimes. Maybe would have used explosives. Who knows? I mean, this guy was hell bent on doing this kind of damage, so it might have happened I, anyways. I heard he was. I heard he was mad at his. Uh at his uh well I guess he was separated from his wife or divorced from her and he didn't get along with his in-laws and his in-laws were members of this church but they weren't there that day. Oh. Um yeah it's it's amazing to me. Um I think one of the things that that we need to start worried about hey let's let's not worry about controlling maybe if we maybe if we quit worrying about privacy laws because if 
mental mental doctors could could make this information doesn't need to be public, but could it be available to some database that say, hey, this guy should not have a gun, and instead they got these HIPAA laws that, that uh, require you to sign about 50, 50 different forms every time you go to the doctor um, to 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 uh, protect your privacy. If those laws were were not so tight, maybe we could benefit from, hey, this guy's a whack job. He sh- do not send this, sell this guy a gun. It's funny though that's not this is not what the Democrats are talking about is it though when they're talking about legislation we're talking about reducing you know access to firearms by lawful citizens it has nothing to do with the mental health aspect of this and uh and of course laws only laws only uh only slow down they only they only get in the way of law abiding citizens exactly which this guy apparently was not Kelly bought four weapons altogether two in Colorado two in Texas he was not licensed to carry a gun in Texas because the state denied it so apparently he was in some database and said, this guy's a whack job. He should not be carrying a gun. Um, and I thought, I think it's open carry in Texas. So you can carry. I'm not for sure, but I know this is how it is in Arizona. You can open carry, meaning carry your gun on a holster. You don't have to have a license for that, but everybody can see you're carrying a gun. You have to have a permit to conceal carry it. So they have to run your your background check and all that. I have a conceal carry in Arizona and uh, California and Utah, which apparently clears me for... 38 or 40 states. I don't usually travel to more than two or three, but uh, apparently I'm covered in those states. Um, buying a gun and obtaining a license to carry are two different, two separate processes that don't rely on each other. Um, but here's the part of the gun control crowd. Here's the part that the gun control crowd doesn't like. Uh, Devin Kelly was stopped by two good guys, and one of them had an AR-15, uh, AR-15 rifle himself legally. 54-year-old Stephen Williford and 27-year-old Johnny Lang- Langendorf. Uh, Langendorf is the guy that was that was uh, driving the truck, and uh, Williford is the guy that actually got out his gun and 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 engaged this guy. Here are their remarks. First, uh, the younger guy, Langendorf, who was driving, and then the, the latter part of this is uh, Williford, who was the guy who actually shot him. I pulled up on the intersection, and I saw the shooter coming from the cars, actually at, right outside the church that were parked. His vehicle was parked, door open, engine running, and him and the neighbor across the street were both coming out about the same time, exchanging fire. And um, as he came up, he I never got a look at him. I never really saw him. I just, I saw the gunfire. The shooter got in his truck. Uh, the gentleman in the right, with the rifle came to my truck as the shooter took off. And he briefly, he briefed me quickly on what had just happened and said that we had to get him. And so that's what I did. I'm no hero. I am, I am not. I think my God, my Lord, protected me and gave me the skills to do what needed to be done. And I just wish I could have gotten there faster. But I didn't know. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, that was an emotional and moving moving, uh, statement there. The guy's clearly, I mean, can you imagine when you realize that you stopped this guy, there's Probably the death the death toll could have been double that. Yeah, uh, no, no kidding. And I know for me, and I've shared this on your show before. I am a reluctant gun owner. I'm not a gun nut. I don't subscribe to gun magazines. I'm not a member of the NRA. However, I've seen enough of these situations to know that 
I need to have one. And I have a CCW. I'm also an usher in a church. And I know on many occasions when I went into that church, I'm thinking there's one entrance over there and there's one there. And if there was a gunman on each end, everybody at each uh, entrance, everybody in this church would be a sitting duck. So now based on that, uh, I, I carry a gun, you know, I carry a weapon and I, and it's, for me, it's kind of a hassle. I would prefer not to have to carry a gun, but if those situations arise, I at least want to a, be able to protect myself and also have the training, the expertise to know what to do. And that for me, I'm, I'm still going through that training. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, you can't get enough training and, no. uh, yeah, so we're, uh, I'm, I'm carrying as well. And yes, it's a, it's a big hunk, hunk of steel that is not comfortable to wear when you're at the movies and, uh, and, or at the, in a restaurant or at church or anywhere else. But you know, it's, it's necessary. I know that Don and I go to the, go to the movies. I'm sitting there and it's the movies. You know what? You think about that that Batman guy that came in through the exit. Yep. And with his uh, with his rifle, I'm in just Colorado, saying, right? Yeah, exactly. Where's where's the where's the uh, where's the exit? Where are these guys coming in from? Right. Just consciously consciously think of that. You go into a restaurant, and Don always lets lets me have the chair that's looking towards the door, uh, because that's one of the things they train you when when you get your CCW to be aware of your surroundings. And um, I've said it before when you get your concealed carry the 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 part of getting your license at shooting at the shooting the gun, knowing how to shoot the gun. That's the, that's the easy part. The, the classroom where they, where they train you mentally to have, to be responsible enough for that is, uh, that's, that's the more the more important part, in my opinion. Right, and I also acknowledge that we I mean, we've had like three major you know attacks in this country of what the last month we had Las Vegas, we had New York. And by the way, I was in I was in New York uh, when that vehicle killed those people, and now we've got this incident in Texas. And I realize that having a CCW is not going to protect you from a car. It's not going to protect you from a sniper, you know, who's in some undisclosed location just picking off people, uh, helpless people, but. You know, in some cases like this Texas thing, yeah, it, could have, it, it did. It did save lives. It did save lives. Yep. And uh, I tweeted out, you know, when seconds count, the cops will be there in a few minutes. The best thing to stop bad guys with guns is good guys. Today was proof. Um, and you know what? Unfortunately, you can't take your CCW. You can't take your gun to New York. New York's one of those those states that I don't know exactly what the things are, but I heard about someone who actually traveled, traveled across country and he packed his gun, disclosed it, did everything you're supposed to do when you're on a plane. And when they, uh, when he got off the plane in New York, they promptly arrested him. Oh, great! So uh, for having a gun. Well, I didn't take mine there, so I'm glad. Uh, another didn't tweet I put as, "Why doesn't everyone? Why does everybody stop thanking each other?" Well, that was uh, because the guys were saying, "Oh, I want to thank law enforcement. I want to thank this." Hey, he was stopped by a citizen. Stop, stop uh, thanking the the fire department and the and the and the and the first responders. I always thank them, but in this particular case. Thank the citizen that had that had the gun and the and the uh, guts to use it. Uh, the last thing is Texas is an o- is an open carry state. Why does no one no one uh, carry at church um, while he was reloading? And he and apparently they said he had a uh, hundred. Did they say wait fifteen cartridges? They found fifteen uh, empty uh, magazines of of thirty of thirty rounds. So fifteen times so he shot one hundred and fifty shots. Wow. So and they found fifteen. So he reloaded fifteen times, fourteen times, and someone could that had a gun could have, uh, you know, got up and popped a cap in his butt, so uh, or his head. Uh, so anyway, who knows? President Trump was was still on his eleven uh, day uh, tour of Asia while he was in South Korea addressing the press with uh, President Moon Jae. President Moon Jae, reporter decided that this was a great time to ask him about gun legislation in the United States. 
I wonder if you would consider extreme vetting for people trying to buy a gun. You know, you're bringing up a situation that probably shouldn't be discussed too much right now. We could let a little time go by, but it's okay if you feel that that's an appropriate question, even though we're the heart of South Korea. If you did what you're suggesting, there would have been no difference three days ago. And you might not have had that very brave person who happened to have a gun or a rifle in his truck go out and shoot him and hit him and neutralize him. Not going to help. Yeah, I would uh, I would have to agree, and I think he handled it well. I thought that was a great answer, actually. And you notice how she's mocking, I mean, two unrelated things to where they were. Number one, extreme vetting. Where did that come from? You know, she's talking about extreme vetting regarding, you know, uh, immigrants, or I should say refugees uh, coming into this country. We're talking about extremely vetting them and also putting down or actually bringing up the, the gun issue as well. So it's kind of like two digs in once. It kind of didn't go over very well, though. And are these American reporters, are they flying in Air Force One with him? Uh, I would I would assume, yeah. Well, I don't know if they're in the same plane, I guess. Or they're... are they in the second plane? I would, you know what, when you got a reporter that follows you around just to ask you stupid questions <laughs> to try and make you look bad in front of the cameras, I'd want to I'd wanna give them a forearm shiver in the face. God, Ed, you're uh, talking about them like they're some kind of Democrat plant. Yeah, they are, exactly. Oh, okay. So uh, let's go on to Donna Brazile uh, re- uh, revelations. This week, uh, former interim DNC chairman Donna Brazile made uh, comments prom- while promoting her tell-all book, Hacks, that have, uh, have her Democratic colleagues uh, fuming. We touched on this last week uh, just a little bit at the end because we d- it had just, just come out. We didn't have a lot of, Im- a lot of details on it. But uh, Donna Brazile's book talks about how the DNC forced her to go along with intentionally disadvantaging Bernie Sanders, forced her to feed questions to Hillary in the debates against Sanders, prevented her from moving forward with ideas that she had to help Hillary win. And it was like working with a cult, particularly when the ideas differed from her campaign manager, Robbie Mook. Keep in mind, Donna came in because Debbie Wasserman Schultz, also known as Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz, was forced to resign in the wake of the Russians hacking the DNC server. So I guess that's why they call it hacks. Uh, Not H-A-X, H-A-C-K-S. Democrats are said to be furious over Brazil's claims. Uh, Here's DNC response to her book. Donna came in to take over the DNC at a very difficult time. We were grateful for her doing doing so. She's a longtime friend and a colleague of many of us and has been an important leader in our party. But we don't recognize the campaign she portrays in this book. Specifically, I remember forgetting that. <laughs> you know what? Uh, if you if you saw the movie uh, Hillary's America, uh, or the book originally was called Stealing America, uh, Dinesh D'Souza says, "Hey, this part of the Democratic playbook. Just deny, deny, deny. I don't have any knowledge. Don't have any knowledge. Nobody has any knowledge of anybody paying the uh, 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 the uh, what is it called? Uh, Fusion GPS. The guys that." Came up with that uh, Trump dossier. The Trump dossier. 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 So over the course of the next week, people on the right have praised Brazil for saying saying this to her fellow Democrats. For those who are telling me to shut up, they told Hillary that a couple of months ago. You know what I tell them? Go to hell. Go I'm going to tell my story. Yep, she was uh, full of fire, and you know when when people talk off the cuff like that, they usually are saying what's really in their heart. Well, yeah, you know, the funny thing is, uh, apparently she said she was forced to give those questions to Hillary Clinton, right? She was forced to, I mean, on the one hand, she's saying there's a lot of cheating and scandal and corruption going on there. And at, at the same time, she also is like, yeah, but she was part of it. Exactly. Right? 
And that was uh, last Sunday, but Wednesday, she was already backtracking like, hey, we know first she says, hey, go to hell. And now they're saying, oh, they was, they slapped my hand and said, I better I better uh, backtrack on that. Here's Here she is with uh, Tucker Carlson. But I want to channel another woman who I admire so much, and that's a, a Michelle Obama, who said, when they go low, you go high. And perhaps what I did on Sunday when I told some of my detractors to go to hell, and as you all know, some of my conservatives know that I have always had a quick tone. I've told people in the past what I really feel. I, I you know, I should have, I should have channeled Michelle and just go higher. Yeah, BS, go higher. <laughs> you know, Michelle says says go higher, but she's she's worse than, than most of them anyway. Well, pretty much. And look, uh, I think hack is probably an appropriate name for this book because I think Donna Brazil is a hack who's just hawking a book, um, trying to be a little controversial as she becomes less and less significant as time goes on. Yeah, she's uh, she's getting up there. Uh, whose show was she on when she kept, was it Tucker's and she kept holding up her book? Yes, yeah. Hold up her book. Don't forget my book, Hacks. You know, make sure you buy that. You know, we've got a we've got a couple more a uh, couple more clips here, and want to talk a little bit more. But we're running out of time for part one of the main event, so uh, so we'll come back and finish up the the Donna Brazil thing before we start on the before we go on to our our next fun uh, our next fun thing the tax uh, the taxes tax, Ed taxes tax, tax reform. You know, let's tax the tax us into prosperity. You Democrat idiots that don't know what you're talking about. Hey, uh, stay tuned for five minutes of uh, commercials and traffic and weather. We'll be right back with uh, part two of the main event. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk about uh, real estate and financing much because I find uh, you guys stop listening unless you're really in the market for it. But if you are in the market for it and you need some financing, you want to talk to somebody. You know, we all sell the same stuff. We all have about the same rates. You want to deal with someone who who uh, thinks like you that can lead you to the best decision for your for yourself. Uh, if you feel like uh, feel like I'm the one, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020. Also, if I say something that uh, you riles you up positive or riles you up negative, you know if you're. Uh, if you can't get mad, positive. Get mad. Just get. If you can't get motivated, positive. Just get mad. So anyway, if uh, if you get if you get emotional after this, you want to uh, give me your opinion. Eight five five six four zero twenty ninety two is the listener hotline. Um, last week I had a listener. Uh, she went onto the website and sent me an email uh, about my comments last week on the Harvey Weinstein and uh, Kevin Spacey thing. And she goes, why are you being an apologist? Let me just clarify. Cause my assumption is if, she, if of all the people listening, if she thought that I'm, that I came across like I was apologizing for Harvey Weinstein. Uh, and I, and if that, if one of you thought that maybe some of you others that didn't, that didn't uh, call or, or, or write, I'm not an apologist for these guys. Harvey Weinstein is a pig. Kevin Spacey's a pig. I'm quite impressed that uh, Sony's actually taking him out of a movie that's almost ready to go to the theaters, That uh, the all the money in the world where he's J. Paul Getty. I'm quite impressed with that, that they're going to that expense to get him out of there. And all the people that are coming out about all the people in Hollywood, I see Hollywood crumbling and it makes me happy. But you know what? What I'm trying to do last week is empower you. If you're a victim of one of these guys, you don't have to put up with it. You do not have to put up with it. You know what? You don't have to. You can stand up and don't worry about, I, I'm just one person. I can't do anything. Hey, stand up. You're one person. Make some noise. 
people, if it's happening to you, it's probably happening to other people. Make some noise. And if you're one of the other people that hears somebody else making noise and you're, and you know that it's going on, then you stand up with them. One voice can make, can turn the world around. You know what, uh, you know what Steve Jobs said? Those of, those of us that, that are crazy enough to think we're, the people that think that are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the people that do. And you know what? If, and if you've, uh, you've got to stand up. If you don't say something, well, you know, when I was 14, I'm 68 right now. And I'm, uh, when I was 14, somebody did this to me. You know what? People don't want to, you know, it, you just lose credibility. And quite frankly, stop that person before they attack somebody else. But you can fight back and you can do all that stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's better to, to stand up for your rights than to just say, well, this is what I have to do if I want to be a, uh, if I want to be in the, uh, if I want to be in the uh, in the movie business, guess what? It's not the end of the world to keep your dignity and not be in the movie business, or stand up and uh, or stand up and take a stand and maybe get that person out of the movie business. So anyway, that's my opinion, and uh, don't think that I'm apologizing for anybody. I'm trying to empower you guys that uh, you guys are strong enough. So before we uh, before we, oh before I go on for those of you that are just joining us i have in the studio with me my buddy scott mcafee owner of don's bikes and uh number two uh political commentator in the in the country <laughs> so we're uh so he's helping me out good here to be today. in the house head we're uh having some fun here so we were talking about uh donna brazil's book hacks before we uh went to break and uh we were talking about uh, uh basically she's backtracking first she's telling everybody hey you don't like what i'm saying well go to hell Next, she's saying, "Well, you know, I should have gone high. I should have done what, what, uh, what, uh, Michelle Obama exactly go high like Michelle Obama." Yeah, it's like, hey, when they go low, you go high. Yeah, whatever. You just convince yourself that that's what you do. But uh, one of the most talk, talked about revelations in uh, Hillary's in Donna Brazile's book was Hillary's <coughs> health issues. <coughs> So, uh, especially her fainting episode at the September 11th ceremony, you know, when someone on their iPhone caught her actually fainting as she's standing out there waiting for her van to take her, and then her assistants got caught up to her, and then uh, basically as she's stepping off the curb, she collapses, and they prop her up, throw her in the van, her shoe comes off, and then, uh, you know, she's right as rain, and a few, you know, a couple hours later, comes out onto the sidewalk for a totally unstaged scene saying hi to some little kid with nobody else around. If you've ever been to New York City, there's never a time when you come out on a sidewalk in Manhattan there's nobody around but some little kid. So, uh, but anyway. Uh, it seems like she had that funny look in her eye, too. Like, they just pumped her full of steroids or something. Maybe it was a double or a lookalike that was out there. It could have been, but, you know, who knows? They they uh, they gave her a they gave her a shot of adrenaline like uh, Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. Hmm. Okay. Oh, my God. That was trippy, man. So, uh, so that prompted Brazil to consider whether Hillary should be replaced by Joe Biden as a nominee. Remember, this was just two months before the election. Here's Tucker Carlson asking her about that. So you have this scene in the book that's been much remarked upon where Hillary's really sick. You say she's overworked and she's got a bronchial infection, maybe pneumonia. And she's so sick that you have this moment where you think maybe we need to replace her. Maybe she won't be able to continue. And that's the point at which you said maybe the vice president uh, would be a a good replacement. Um, That's such a big deal that it was striking when I read that. I thought here there are a thousand reporters covering this campaign and not one of them picked up 
anything like that, that the candidate's health was that bad, that she was being considered maybe not able to finish? Do you think reporters knew that? How could they not know that? Yeah, it seemed pretty obvious to me because I saw it on the on the video. Well, yeah, not only that, but of course, Hillary's consistent coughing fits, which I played uh, at least one of those when I was uh, subbing for you a couple of weeks ago, which I can just listen to for like 10 minutes. It's so hilarious. <coughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, and then listen, listen to Donna Brazile's response and how she manages to just dodge that little question. Well, let me just tell you, I had a lot of reporters who were calling my office, calling my home, texting me, sending me emails. In fact, there was a reporter that I mentioned that broke the story to me that she had fainted. And I uh, immediately called up to Brooklyn and I tried to reach uh, people on the road with her to find out if this was a rumor. As you all know, Tucker, with the Russian meddling in our campaign, and yes, it happened, there were so many rumors that you had to debunk. And so by the time I saw the video, when the video went viral. You can imagine what was happening within the Democratic Party, what was happening inside uh, the inner circles. Oh, I remember. And, 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 and it was, it everything was, was fine. It, it I remember everything's fine. Every, every five to seven minutes. Hillary is a friend. I cared about her health. Yes, I cared about her campaign, but the last thing I want, I want to know how she was doing. I want to yeah. know if she was okay. That well, is, that, that's why in the book you, you, you read that I suggested that she get some acupuncture because I like acupuncture. It helps me. Yeah, if you ever want to get a, a beanstalk grown in your backyard, get some acupuncture. I tried that a little bit on our cruise, and you know what uh, Don said? What is this doing for you? I don't know. I think I bought some magic beans. So, uh, But I paid for them in advance, so I tried it out, trying to get rid of some insomnia that I have. I don't know. My brain works all night. And it needs to shut down so I could sleep. So, uh, and let's be listening to, to everybody listening that if you're if you're coughing in, uncontrollably and you're having chronic fainting spells, you need some acupuncture to make it right. Exactly. And now, uh, and now, uh, the one, the next thing, uh, uh, Donna Brazile shows up on XM, uh, Sirius XM, in an interview with a guy named Mark Thompson. I'm not sure what channel this was on, um, but uh, here he is asking her about a little thing we talked about in Clinton casualties. Were the Russians involved, in your opinion, I know this hasn't been resolved yet, in Seth Rich's death? Yes, no, or I don't know. I don't know. I, I never, I, I'm not a part of the investigative team, but I can tell you this much, and thank you for asking about Seth. He was my child. I loved him. He worked in the Voting Rights Division. I was the, I was the vice chair over that division. Uh, he was one of two staff people. I love him. I miss him. He was a patriot, and I hope to God, we find out who murdered Seth Rich. You wrote in the book, you feel responsible for his death. I, because he was my child. Yeah, she she's responsible because she's the one that called the guy who killed him and said, hey, he's leaving the office now, he's walking home. Now would be a good time to go shoot him in the back. Ed, that is strictly speculation on your part. By the way, did her answer seem kind of weird to you, kind of insincere and odd? Yes, and uh, everything. You know, hey, she's writing this book. She's thinking she's she's putting all this important information out there. I know stuff that you guys want to hear. And now she's getting pressure from the Democrats. What did you do to us? And uh, now she's now she's trying to sidestep. Well, if this is no big deal, I guess we shouldn't buy your book then. Well, exactly. We don't need to read it. The the one thing that I did find interesting, though, apparently when Hillary Clinton actually came in and if you want to call it took over the Democrat Party, it was like 18 million in the hole. And I just found that was kind of interesting. And I, I can't imagine why all the smart business people that are in the Democrat Party could run that organization into the hole that bad, Ed, economically. Uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, because they're smarter than Republicans. Okay. They, they understand that. 
You're supposed to uh, tax the rich and give to the poor. Got it. Because that's how the that's how you stimulate things. The Seth Rich thing. If you're not if you don't know the story on Seth Rich, go to edhoffman.net and click on the Clinton casualties. I had a, a list there, but I, now uh, Brooke put up my uh, Clinton casualties show that I did about a year ago, right before the election, and uh, to go through all the people that have crossed paths with Hillary and Bill Clinton. Uh, over the years that mysteriously end up dead. I think uh, Donna Brazile said on one of those shows that she fears for her life. I saw a meme. Somebody sent me a meme that shows a picture of Hillary Clinton standing in front of a casket with a bunch of flowers on top. And she's going, so Donna, how's your book selling? <laughs> you know, well, and of course, now I don't know how long ago Seth Ridge was assassinated because that's what I'd call it. He was assassinated. And there's, there hasn't been anything come out in, coming out on that. Likewise, Donna, there has been zero evidence thus far of Russian involvement in the election. Zero. Zero, Ed. Yeah, exactly. The only Nothing. thing they're involved in is Hillary Clinton. Exactly. So uh, let's talk about the tax bill because there's some more moronic stuff coming out on the tax reform. So our third week of covering the evolution of the Republican tax bill. Last week, the House GOP unveiled their framework. This week, the Senate Republicans made changes that they want to, that they want to put uh uh, to have President Trump uh, sign. Reportedly, uh, Trump called several Democrat senators on the phone Wednesday uh, Wednesday night to tell them, you're going to like the Senate version a whole lot more. Uh, uh-oh. Uh, you know what? I don't know that I don't know that he even knew it was in it because, in my opinion, I like it less. Here's the, the reported changes that, we, that we're expecting. They want to delay the proposed corporate tax cuts from 35 to 20 until 2019. Are you stupid or what? You know... Why, Ed? Why would they, why? why? You know what? The one thing, the one thing that this tax cut thing had the one, the one single most important thing is cut corporate tax, create jobs, and you guys want to delay it a year? Yeah, let's stall the economy for one more year. That makes a lot of sense. And did Ed. you forget that there's an election next uh, next November? You want to wait till January of 2019? Are you guys stupid or what? So I don't know. I'm not a senator, so maybe I'm not that smart. Except for I know how to balance my checkbook, and they don't. The restoration of the mortgage interest deduction. No more capping at five hundred thousand, as the House had proposed. I think that's a non-issue. I don't think. You know, people go, "Oh my God, I don't get to write off more than five hundred thousand dollars worth of interest." Who cares? Right. You're worried about. Well, you know what? The rich people that have million-dollar million. You know what? The rich people that have million-dollar homes. Most of them have smaller mortgages than that. Okay, and the ones that can't, the ones that have those, you know what? They can afford that. That's just a little tiny. Itty bitty, not, nothing to me. Uh, tax breaks for the elderly and elderly and blind. The elderly and blind don't pay any taxes. Well, we need to have these tax cuts in there for the elderly and blind because they make twenty six thousand, and we want to make sure we don't tax them. Guess what? They we, they don't get any taxes on that. Uh, a tax credit for adoptive parents. Okay, we like that, uh, which the House also added back into their version in the committee. So so that's a non-issue because the House added it back in. That's a tax credit for people that have adopted kids. Uh, you and Maria have adopted kids. Yeah, yeah, we have. And as much as we have, I mean, this is this these last things are insignificant compared to reducing the corporate tax. Cut. This is like pennies, yeah. and and it, and it's not going to impact the economy at all. Uh, look, just just do the corporate tax cut and forget all the rest of this crap. And, and remember, the only reason to cut taxes is to stimulate the economy, and uh, and that's the only reason. So uh, so we'll we'll talk about this in a little bit more in a second and why I bring that up. Um, so the Senate plan restores all kinds of middle class tax cut. It delays the corporate tax corporate tax cut for a full year. Stupid. The president himself is telling Democrats they're going to like it better. I don't think the the president knew. He's just trying to trying to get some uh, get some friends with the with the 
the Democrats in Senate. And yet Nancy Pelosi did her weekly Disney villain impression when they when she was asked for her thoughts. You'll like this one. We want the American people to know. Clearly, they do not want the American people to know. That's why so much secrecy, such a short fuse, because time is their enemy. That that made no sense whatsoever, Ed. Uh, I don't think she said anything. I think that was two sentences. Let's play it again and listen. Listen for the yeah, meaning. There's got to be some hidden meaning in here somewhere, Ed. Let's, we listen, just missed it. Listen carefully. Okay. We want the American people to know. Clearly, they do not want the American people to know. That's why so much secrecy, such a short fuse, because time is their enemy. Let this be a lesson to everybody. There are some serious side effects to a lot of facial work. Yes, apparently, uh, apparently one of the one of the side effects of uh, too much Botox plastic surgery is yeah. you find yourself with uh, just meaningless dribble coming out of your mouth. <laughs> It doesn't mean anything, but we said it, and they put it on TV. Mm. Thursday morning, Marco Rubio hinted, you know, and, I, and I'll tell you one thing. I said, I said Marco Rubio has, has kids that are like 12 or 13 when he was running for president, and I said, Marco Rubio might be a good president later, but there's something about raising your kids from childhood to uh, adolescence to, to young adults to adulthood, that by getting them all the way there, there's some wisdom that comes with that, and he apparently doesn't have it. Let's listen to Marco Rubio uh, hinted at another change in the Senate plan, keeping the state and local tax exemption the House plan was going to eliminate. It'll be different from the House. One of the things I know that'll be different is the state and local taxes exemption. You know, in Florida, when I do my taxes, I get to write off my property tax, a portion of the sales tax if you're itemizing. And a lot of people are upset about that, but that, that it's going to go away. But what it really matters is how much do you pay at the end of the day? When you do your taxes, how much do you pay? And so while that may be going away, there are other things that are going up. And the combination of those two changes is going to lead most, if not uh, the vast overwhelming majority of Americans who need a tax cut are going to get one. Well, what's important to, is not not at the the what's important at the end of the day is not how much you pay. What what's important at the end of the day is how much did it stimulate the economy? How many more people had jobs that didn't have jobs? How many more people had opportunities for promotions that didn't have those opportunities? How many more people were able to buy houses so that you know? Hey, is this going to affect me? Well, probably not. I'm probably not going to pay a lot more taxes. Or a lot less taxes. It's probably going to be a kind of a wash, except for my company. And uh, so that'll, that'll help. It will help some. But you know what? All the people that got jobs because of this, because I'll be able to, my company will save some taxes, so I'll be able to hire some more some more people. So well, the, at the end of the day, what does that do? It creates more people with jobs. And for those of you people at the National Association, the National Association of Realtors that think, hey, if you don't have mortgage tax deduction, people don't buy houses. People don't buy houses because they're getting a tax deduction. People buy houses because they have jobs and they can buy houses. So all these people with jobs, they're going to buy houses. So that means all these other people are going to have jobs and my people are going to do more loans. So I'll make some more money. I'll pay some more taxes on that, but I'll make some more profit. And that's what rich people do with their money. And uh, you know what? That's that's called trickle-down economics. You know, you save the rich people at the top and then they create jobs and then they create jobs and then they stimulate and they spend more money in the economy and it's the velocity of money. That's the bottom line. It's not how much, you know what? Well, I saved $500 a month. Yeah, that's good. But the most important thing from a senator or a congressman is to say the bottom line is what does this do for our economy? Because that's how this thing's getting paid for is creating more jobs. 
Well, and the Democrats like to spin this by keep saying, oh, it's tax breaks for the rich. It's tax breaks for the rich. When what we're talking about are businesses and corporations that are way over taxed as it is. I mean, for us to have one of the highest corporate tax rates in the world is a terrible, terrible thing. Taking it from 35 to 20, I thought it was 15, President Trump, but I'll settle for 20 because that's a hell of a lot better than what it is now. I mean, that's that's what does, as you point out, that's what stimulates the economy. That's what creates jobs for other people. Look, here's the bottom line solution to all this crap. You, you have a flat tax where everybody pays 10%. Whether you make $10, that means you owe a dollar. If you if you make 10 billion, then you owe a billion. You make it simple and easy and everybody's got skin in the game and everybody contributes something. That would wipe all this crap all out. You wouldn't need all these accounts. You wouldn't need thousands of tax codes and this deduction and that deduction, which is all pretty much meaningless. Cut the corporate tax rate. Go to a flat tax, which some people talk about, but nobody's really got the guts to implement it, like they did in Russia, by the way, and it had great effects. They actually got more tax revenue when they went to a flat tax system in Russia. Maybe we could learn a few things from the Russians. What do you think, Ed? I think so. And I like uh, I like this clip that uh, from Ben Carson when he was at the prayer breakfast and kind of embarrassed uh, uh, President Obama at the time. Uh, I like the way he put it. What about our taxation system? So complex. There is no one who can possibly comply with every jot and tittle of our tax. If I wanted to get you or you, I could get you on a tax issue. That doesn't make any sense. What we need to do is come up with something that's simple. And when I pick up my Bible, you know what I see? I see the fairest individual in the universe, God, and he's given us a system. It's called tithe. Now, we don't necessarily have to do it 10%, but it's principle. He didn't say, if your crops fail, don't give me any tithes. He didn't say, if you have a bumper crop, give me triple tithes. So there must be something inherently fair about proportionality. You make $10 billion, you put in a billion. You make $10, you put in one. Of course, you've got to get rid of the loopholes. But now, now, some people say, they say, well, that's not fair. Because it doesn't hurt the guy who made $10 billion as much as the, the guy who made 10 where does it say you have to hurt the guy? He just put a billion dollars in the pot. You know, we don't need to hurt him. You know, it's, it's that kind of thinking. It's that kind of thinking that has resulted in 602 banks in the Cayman Islands. That money needs to be back here, building our infrastructure and creating jobs. And we're smart enough. We're smart enough to figure out how to do that. Yep. It's, uh, you know, and the one thing that I see as a, as a mortgage lender that, I see I see what we need to, to go to a flat tax and eventually is consumption tax because there's too much opportunity for people to cheat. Like I've said exactly. it a million times, the guy that's that's begging on the on the freeway on ramp, hey, uh homeless homeless and hungry, please help. You know he's cranking in a couple hundred dollars a day, seven days a week. That's that's like seventy two thousand dollars a year tax free. Shouldn't he pay something too? Well, exactly. And the problem is this look, and I don't mind paying taxes. I don't, but I don't want to pay half of my income. I think that's a bit much because that's where I'm at now. That doesn't seem right to me. Um, so again, I don't, I don't mind, but there's there's a limit. And and the, the problem is the system is set up. If you look at this graduated tax system, it's a system that's designed to punish success and reward failure. The less you make, the, at, at some point you don't pay anything. Half the country pays no taxes at all. And like 80% of the taxes are paid by the top 5%. That doesn't seem right. Exactly. And in my in my opinion on this tax reform, Past the one that's in the house, is it everything that I want? No. 
Is that do I think it's perfect? No, it's too. Is it? It's too. Uh, it's too liberal. It's it's not everything every every Republican wants. It's not conservative enough. But you know, you could just pass the the corporate tax cut and be done with that, exactly. and then leave everything as it is, and watch that, and then come back and and revise it some more. Okay, so we've got about two and a half minutes left. Uh, let's get through a. Uh, we have a couple other topics we're going to talk about. Uh, let's talk about DACA. House Republicans said Thursday they're hoping for a compromise bill on DACA, the Deferred Action. Uh, deferred Action. I don't even know what it stands. Whatever for. it is, something or other. Deferring action on people that can't. Oh, childhood arrivals. Oh. Uh, deferred action on childhood arrivals. The Dream Act. By the end of the year, they're supposed to have uh, some compromise. Here are some surprising comments from Republican Congressman Peter King. Talking about human beings, you're talking about innocent people who are uh, through no fault of their own, through no decision of their own, they're here in a very precarious position. So we have the obligation, not just the opportunity, the obligation to rectify this, working together, showing the American people that Congress can work, that we can get something done. Not sure I completely agree that we're obligated, but... uh... We're not obligated to do anything except for people that are American citizens. And I watched a group of these people protesting on the steps of the Capitol yesterday. So it's like they're obviously not hiding in the shadows, Ed. They're pretty open about. And what were they, what were they uh, threatening? I heard I heard a uh, a headline. Hey, wait till wait till you hear what they're threatening now. Uh, to vote Democrat when they're made citizens. I don't know what are they threatening. I don't know if I didn't I didn't hear the oh wait, after the commercial. I can't sit home. I have a job, so I had to get to work. So I didn't have a chance to sit around and sit around and talk about it. But uh, it you seems know, like most of them aren't employed because this was like on a weekday in the middle of the day. Here's let's dr- jump over to Comey uh, from Fox News. Uh, reported uh, memos tr- to Congress released Monday showed that language was softened between an early draft and the final copy of the former FBI director's James Comey statement closing out Hillary Clinton's case. Originally, Comey accused former Secretary of State of being grossly negligent, which is a crime, in handling classified information. In a draft dated May 2nd, still three months or two months before he actually uh, interviewed her, uh, uh, but that was modified to claim that that was modified that claim to be extremely careless in the July in the June 10th, which was uh, a month before he actually interviewed her, which was on July 4th. And then uh, Comey stuck to the modified language when he announced it on July 5th, 2016, that there would be no charges against Clinton. And yet here's what he said at the time when asked whether he was giving her special treatment. Can you assure people that Mrs. Clinton and her team are being held to the same standard and that there isn't a special set of rules because they are powerful and politically connected? I'm not going to comment uh, other than to say there are no special set of rules for anybody that the FBI investigates. What? No comment? No comment says it all, Ed. I can't believe we're out of time, but we're out of time for this uh, episode of the main event. Scott, thanks for joining me today. Always lots of fun, Ed. And uh, everybody, uh, thanks for listening to the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number 096199.